G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. Why am I, of all people, why am I highly favoured? And yeah, then he says, you've been chosen to bear the Messiah. And she goes, but I have never been with a man. How is yeah. this possible? So she wasn't being faithless. She's just trying to rationalise how could it possibly be. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. Over the last few programs, we've been looking at the various characters in the Nativity, and we're going to look at the two most pivotal characters in today's program, Mary and Joseph. Who they were, what made them so special, and what they actually did. Who were this couple? The Bible doesn't actually give as much information about them. Mary was a young woman chosen by God to bear his only begotten son, and Mary herself said of herself that for generations to come, she would be regarded as blessed. She didn't actually say that she would be regarded as blessed because she was so wonderful herself, but rather that she would be considered blessed because of the mission or the task she was chosen to carry, and that was to literally carry the Mm. Son of God within her own body. It must have been a pretty overwhelming thought, but we hear Mary's heart in Luke 1, 46 to 48, where we see Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he's had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. So she was obviously very humble, but recognizing the significance of what God was saying to her. Well, yeah, when the only people who need a Savior are people who aren't saved. And so she acknowledges that she herself needs a Savior. She also recognizes that she lives in a very humble state. So she was just a humble Jewish girl. Yeah, well, she grew up in Nazareth, and we know from Nathaniel's response when he heard about (laughs) Jesus of Nazareth, I mean, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So it's obviously not an area that's really regarded highly by the locals. It was only a small community in the Galilee region Mm -hmm. and a humble girl growing up in that place, but God chose Mary. Yeah, and not a lot is said about her. In fact, outside of the Gospel accounts, You actually don't hear a lot about Mary, and even in the Gospels themselves, she's spoken of very respectfully, but they don't make a big thing about Mary per se, and she's not mentioned in the rest of the New Covenant either. There are some who think that when John wrote the three epistles, that 1 John 1 is actually mentions about the lady, and there are some who think that he's written to Mary, but it's just an assumption. We really Mm. don't know. It could be. But we yeah. really don't know. Not well, a lot is said of her. Jesus asked John to care for Mary when he, he was on the cross. So it may well be that he was writing to her as the lady. But as you say, it's only speculation. Absolutely. What we do know is that she was a very moral young woman. No, that's right. Well, she obviously was a virgin. And she had mentioned that when she was talking to the angel. Like, how could I possibly have a baby? I'm only a virgin. But uh, when she had this encounter with the angel, I guess she was considering all these different situations for herself to think, well, how's this all going to come out? You know, she exactly. was, I guess she wasn't 
doubting, but she was obviously processing a pretty dramatic uh, bit of information. Yeah, well, the, the angel, Gabriel says to her, don't be afraid. And, and then he says, you're highly favoured. And she's actually perplexed at that. He mm. says, why, why am I, of all people, why am I highly favoured? And yeah, then he says, you've been chosen to bear the Messiah. And she goes, but I have never been with a man. How is yeah. this possible? So she wasn't being faithless. She's just trying to rationalize how could it possibly be? Because mm. when you look at her response, she simply says, yeah, okay, but I can't help but wonder if in a matter of a split second, she was maybe analyzing every possible scenario. How am I going to tell my mum and dad? What about Joseph? Oh, no. The neighbours. What are the neighbours going to think? Oh, yeah. my goodness. This could actually get dangerous for me because adultery is considered a death penalty and people are going to think I've been unfaithful. Her head would have been spinning, to say the least. And in a matter of a split second, she simply says, okay, be it unto me. She accepts you know? what God's wanting her to do, despite, I'm sure, lots of doubts and uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, there would have been a sense of trust that Joseph would do the right thing by her, but she didn't know that he was going to. Absolutely. Uh, she just said to God, okay, well, I'll do what you want me to do. Exactly. <laughs> You'll have to take care of the rest. So then that brings us to the next person in this particular drama, and that's Joseph. And uh, again, we don't know an awful lot about him. No, well, he was just, uh, I guess, mentioned le- even less than Mary because mm. he's mentioned a bit in this early account around the time that Jesus was born. But then you don't hear about him again through the Gospels. He was once again a fairly humble man, mm-hmm. uh, lived in Nazareth, obviously very much in love with Mary. I mean, he could have had her killed when he discovered he that have. she was pregnant. Yeah. Um, but he clearly loved her. He said that he was going to divorce her quietly, which was a very honorable thing to do. Mm. In Matthew one nineteen, it talks about his decision to not do anything more than just simply divorce her quietly. It said, Joseph, her husband, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Yeah, because in that day and age, again, if she was considered to be an adulteress, it could have cost her her life. He didn't want that to happen to her. But if he had actually married her, in his mind, he'd been, he would be thinking, I am going to be humiliated mm. that I would be taking on this woman who cheated on me. It would have been disparaging for him. And yet, because the the angel Gabriel comes to him and says, don't be fearful about taking Mary as your wife because mm. the child in her is of the Holy Spirit. He immediately goes, no worries. I'm going to take on this. <laughs> and again, I think probably he, in his imagination, was probably thinking, but what's the fallout with my parents? What about her parents? What about the neighbors? What about? Yeah. And then the thought of, oh, my goodness. Taking on this role means taking on the responsibility of raising the Son of God. That's right. I've got a parent, this child. You know, he needs to provide for him. He needs to care for him. You can imagine, I guess, obviously it was his first time even as a dad. So here he is mm-hmm. holding this baby, freshly delivered, looking essentially into the face of God, yeah. but thinking about the responsibility of what that meant, teaching him a trade, teaching him the basics of their faith and all these different things that he was then responsible to do, mm. and he took it on essentially as a stepfather. We, we often think of Mary delivering this child, but Mary wasn't by herself. Yeah, Joseph would have been before her, helping her deliver this child. Joseph would have been the very first person to literally hold in his hands mm. the Messiah of Israel, the Son of God, as you said, looking into the face of God and all of this responsibility on his shoulders. What a remarkable man. Mm. What a remarkable man and woman Joseph and Mary must have been. They certainly were. And as we've said, very humble, simple and godly people. I mean, they really did have a significant trust and faith in God that he was going to navigate them through this whole process 
and Jesus would be able to grow up to become the man that he would uh, need to be. Yeah, uh, they're the kind of people we need to be aspire to be like. Yeah. But that then brings us to this particular situation. Caesar Augustus demands a census be taken. So from Nazareth, Joseph and Mary have to travel about 130 kilometres to get to Bethlehem. Now, if she's at the end of her pregnancy, which she was, if they travelled 20 kilometres a day, that's about a week's journey. Now, I've had three babies. Your <laughs> wife has had two babies. Yeah. There's no way you'd get me on the back of a donkey for no. 20 kilometres a day. I've not got not to say. seven days in a row. Oh, my wow. gosh. And yet they made this journey. By the time they get to Nazareth, she is in full labour. Mm. All right? Riding on a donkey on bumpy roads is going to bring on labour. And when they get there, Joseph's got to find somewhere. But the the town is overflowing. The houses are full. The inn is full. There is nowhere. He must find somewhere. And by sheer coincidence, not, (laughs) there is a cave not too far away, away from the hustle and bustle. It's clean. It's dry. And he takes Mary into this, I'm going to say lambing cave, because we, we talked about the shepherds in our last program, takes her into a lambing cave. And helps her, assists her, kneels before her and delivers this tiny baby, the Messiah, the Son of God. And together, as they'd agreed with God at the the prompting of the angel Gabriel, they bring this tiny baby into the world, the one who is going to save his people from their sins. Mm. And, of course, this is all happening in the town of Bethlehem, Mm -hmm. which uh, we've talked about in previous programs about the fact that uh, Bethlehem means the house of bread. Yes. So I find it fascinating that the bread of life who came down from heaven, Jesus, the bread of life, had to be born in the house of bread. Mm. So this now leads us to our final hypothetical question, and it's this. Is it possible that God moved the heart of a pagan ruler to call for a national census, forcing Joseph and Mary to travel all the way to Bethlehem to ensure that his son would be born in the city of David, the house of bread, and be born in a lambing cave where the firstborn year-old male lambs were born to be sacrificed for the people during Passover. Well, we'll leave you to ponder that hypothesis and invite you to join us in the next program where we're going to recap all of the characters in the Nativity story and see if we can come to a conclusion about what really happened in the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. That's next time on Foundations. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.